Welcome to The Connector, where we connect North Carolina to ideas and North Carolinians to each other. This podcast series is from the Institute for Emerging Issues at North Carolina State University. And now to the conversation. Welcome, everyone. I'm James Herrick with the Institute for Emerging Issues at North Carolina State University, and welcome to The Connector. We've talked a lot about workforce development on this podcast, and today we begin a series of conversations about a topic that supports workforce development, and that's education, and North Carolina's goal of closing the educational attainment gap. So for the next few episodes of The Connector, we'll be checking in with members of II's educational attainment community cohort to talk about the work they're doing in their community to prepare students for jobs. I'm happy today to welcome Selena Bennett as our guest. Selena is the Executive Director of Communities Supporting Schools of Wayne County. And also joining us for the first time is II's Assistant Director, Pat Cronin. Welcome both of you. So now let's start the conversation. So Pat, I'm gonna start off with you and welcome. Over the last few years, you have become II's expert on North Carolina's educational attainment gap, and the state's goal of 2 million North Carolinians with a high-quality credential or post-secondary degree by 2030. And this was the topic of our 2022 Emerging Issues Forum. So tell us, why is this such an important issue for our state? Well, first, thanks for having me on, James, and uh, looking forward to, to, to the conversation. Yeah. Let me begin by saying that this is an issue that should be important to all of us. Um, it's certainly important to employers because this goal is about having the skilled workforce that they will need in 2030. Um, indeed, the goal was set back in 2019 based on projections of workforce needs uh, in 2030. And that goal was signed into law by the legislature, by the governor, and it's supported by the state's business community and education sector. So, the reality is it's our goal, it's everyone's goal. Um, it's also important for workers because this is about providing a path to a family sustaining career. Um, most jobs today that pay a family sustaining wage require more skills and knowledge that you can get just by completing high school. Um, and of course, this is important for our communities. Um, as we raise the number of people with education after high school, we build the thriving communities that we all want to live in. Um, the reality today is that we're living through two long-term disruptions here in North Carolina and indeed across the country that are dramatically increasing the value of education beyond high school. Um, the first one is automation. And of course, today you can't pick up a newspaper or turn on the TV without hearing about AI and speculation about what that's going to do uh, to jobs. Um, but more generally, we're talking about the, the impact of machines uh, on, on, uh, on people, the substitution of machines for people in, in different jobs, whether those are computers or robots or AI. Um, this is obviously not a, a new phenomena. I mean, just go back to the last century, uh, the introduction of machines on farms uh, made a lot of people redundant and drove them from farms uh, to factories in towns and, and cities. And then as we introduce more and more machines into factories, it of course drove people into the service sector. Uh, experts today are saying we're in the middle of another big transition being driven by, by machines and, and automation. Um, and that this is something that has the potential to affect pretty much every sector and, and occupation. 
There's a lot of disagreement about how many jobs will be actually lost um, to automation uh, this time around, um, but everyone agrees that there will be substantial disruption to lots of sectors and to lock, lots of, of occupations. Um, and so the bottom line is that good paying jobs are going to require more education beyond high school. Um, the other big trend that's going on is, is ch changing societal demographics. We're, we're getting older on the one hand as a population, and we're becoming more diverse in terms of race and ethnicity. Um, why is that important to recognize? Well, uh, as we get older, as the baby boomer generation retires, there's an increasing demand for services uh, at the same time that there are fewer and fewer people in the workforce. Um, and so that creates real challenges. And the bottom line is that we need everyone to be the best that we can be. We can no longer afford to let young people fall through the cracks. Everyone needs to complete high school and then move on to some sort of education beyond that, whether it's an industry recognized credential or a two or four year degree. Um, we're also becoming more diverse. Um, if you look uh, around us, you'll see that an increasing percentage of children and the young adult populations are students of color. Indeed, they're the majority now in the younger age groups. Yeah. Right now, for every 100 ninth grade public school students here in North Carolina, only 28 of those 100 earn a degree or credential within six years of graduating high school, 28 out of 100. That is far too low in terms of where we need it to be. But that's just an average. And the reality is that number is even lower for students of color. So that's both our challenge and our opportunity, which is to raise educational attainment rates for everyone after high school. Um, but especially to do it for students of color, if we want thriving businesses and families and communities. And we're only going to reach that goal one student at a time in every community across the state. And that's why the work that Selena and her staff are doing is so important. I agree. I agree. And, and Selena, I came across a great quote from you from a story we did about your organization in 2022. And you said, what connects the dots is everything we do is in an effort to keep the kids in school so they will graduate. So tell us about community supporting schools of Wayne County and the work that you and your team are doing to keep kids in school. I will be happy to do that, James. And first of all, thank you for having me on the program. Sure. Uh, I have enjoyed working so much with Pat Cronin and with the Institute. I am a former educator. So you are really speaking to my heart about keeping kids in schools for 30 years prior to my 13 as a nonprofit executive director. And we do have a lot of initiatives going on here in Wayne County. First of all, if you want to think of our program as having like two sides of the house, we're complicated, but it all fits together. <laughs> On one side of the house, we have staff members, 10 staff members serving as success coaches in schools. And in those schools, we are strategically placed because these schools are the most at risk and the population of students that we are working with there are the most in need of our services. So in 10 schools, we have three high schools, we have four middle schools, and we have three elementary schools. 
And our goal is to serve the kids through these feeder patterns from elementary through high school. We start with them at kindergarten and workforce development. That does not begin in high school. If we don't start working with these children and getting them at the skill level that they need to be when they enter kindergarten, we're already losing out. We have elementary reading programs in our three elementary schools. And I can tell you, when our children enter school and they do not have the vocabulary, they do not have the experiences that they need, they are already behind and success is much harder to achieve. So that's the school side. We also work with, we do a lot of career and college trips. We work very closely with our community college. We try to expose middle and high school students as early as we can to what is available. What can I do beyond high school? And we have to be honest. We want all of our children to have a four-year degree. But for many of the students that we work with, their parents do not know how to navigate that system. And we have to put things in place to help them navigate. It's not that they don't have the ability, but you you don't know what you don't know. And many of our parents don't know. On the restorative justice side, there again, we are there to keep kids in school. Because if we have a child that receives a charge of whatever kind and they wind up getting involved in the juvenile justice system at an early age, chances of them graduating from high school are less. And so on the restorative justice side of the program, we work with the sheriff's department, the police department, the DA's office, and school resource officers can refer students to our program as a diversion. They complete an educational program. We monitor them. We case manage them. And we have a success rate of about 95 to 96%. Um, There again, if we keep them in school, and they are not justice involved, their chances of graduating from high school are much higher. So everything that we do goes back to trying to connect those dots. What can we do to be proactive? What can we do to reach into those children's lives, help them at school, help them with their families? And how can we better expose them to what is out there? You know, is it going to be community college? Is it going to be the military? Um, Mentors play a very important role at all three levels. In our elementary schools, we currently have 130 volunteers serving students on a weekly basis with reading. They're serving over 150 children. And everything that we do in the elementary school is targeted. It's been a bit of a challenge getting our middle and high school mentors back since COVID because many of the people that work with us are our senior population coming in from uh, the faith-based community or retired educators. And they have had their own health concerns Another big talent pool for us is Seymour Johnson Air Force Base. I cannot tell you the impact that our Air Force 
has on our kids in schools. They come in, they give of their time. They are the best speakers that you will ever find. Um, And then we use our local businesses a lot. So connecting the dots. That's we are a staff of 14 now. Sounds like you've got some great support in the community. That is nice to hear. And and I know some communities um, don't get that. So um, we have had great support. And and the other part of that support comes through not only the nonprofits that we work with, but we're involved in a number of coalitions. We are working with an opportunity youth program. We also are working with a program here called Wayne Cares, which is geared towards the mental health of our students. And we know since COVID, there's been a tremendous need for increased mental health. Um, This community is supportive. And they have been so involved in helping us with all of our programs. And I I just can't say enough. And the school system as well. And we are um, onboarding a new superintendent as we speak. He has been here (laughs) for a few weeks so I'm really excited to get to work with him. Sure. So uh, kind of touching on some of the uh, support, you are a member of II's Educational Attainment Cohort. So tell us why you decide to join the cohort and what has been like learning and sharing ideas with your fellow cohort members? Well, first of all, we are always looking for how can we improve? What is best practice for our nonprofit? What is the best way to serve our students? And so when we had the opportunity to work with Pat and the Institute, we were just super excited because we knew that it would enable us to connect with other nonprofits that were already doing great work. And it has allowed us not only to meet nonprofit leaders, But we were able to work with a consultant that has helped us with a strategic plan for moving forward. Because, you know, if you're in nonprofit work, you are always looking for continuity, sustainability. You want everyone to to be able to fully engage and keep the work going. And so a strategic plan has come out of this. We also were given some funding and we created an amazing restorative justice video last summer that has enabled us to share our story. And early on in the Institute program, we worked with someone on how to share the story. How do you tell your story? How do you get that message out there? And we're always trying to improve upon that. So, It's given us an opportunity to open some new doors, and we are just so thankful for that. Uh, So I'll go and ask this. I mean, you were part of the bigger group. Um, What other accomplishments did you see as the group that, you know, that, that you were able to help each other with even further? I have been able to reach out to other members of the group to get ideas and suggestions for where do you look for funding? Tell me how this program works. And and in particular, the Wilson um, Educational Partnership, they have a number of programs that we are particularly interested in for our high school because they connect with business and industry in such a way. We do that, but not at the level that we would like to. 
Um, right. Wayne Community College is they are working very closely with business and industry to offer internships to students. And so we are trying to do everything that we can to let our children be aware of what is out there with those internships. You know, I think for many of our students, as we look at workforce development, they don't know what they don't know. Exactly. Many many of our students come from um, generational poverty. They don't know how to get out of that cycle if we don't grant them opportunities and point them in that direction. So some of these other nonprofits that we have worked with in the cohort are already doing some of that work that we would like to do more of. And I I can tell you something else that has come out of this. We just received um, a mission development grant through the North Carolina State Employees Foundation. That opportunity has led us to work with a consultant from mm-hmm. Moss and Ross. We're working with Michael Lauder, who is very well known in the arts closure um, world. And he is helping us to navigate in some new directions with grant funding. And so that, I mean, that is another thing after developing our strategic plan and some next steps that led us to being awarded with the Mission Development Grant. Sure. I was going to say, you can do all the great work, but um, unfortunately, money does grease the wheel to make things work. So I understand. So Absolutely. So so I'm going to do follow up with kind of a question. First, I'm going to do kind of a little bit of plug here. So I I recently did a community story about your organization, and and I encourage everybody to go read it at emergingissues.org. It's actually the second uh, story. We did one in 2022, and we just did this one. Um, Yeah. And in it, you gave an update on some of the, the work that you guys are doing. You mentioned about the reading program and, and the restorative justice program. So I'm going to ask a question that I probably didn't prep you with, but it's one I'm sure you can answer. So, you know, the work your organization is doing, it's important, and, and I'm sure it's very hard. So what gives you hope amid all those challenges that you have to deal with? Just last night, we hosted a volunteer appreciation dinner for the restorative justice volunteers. We had a young girl that spoke about the impact of our program and the positive experiences she had had. This is a young lady that was on her way to the juvenile justice system. She had received, it was a misdemeanor charge, a very challenging home environment. And she shared her story with us last night. And I sat there with tears just pouring down my face because I thought you cannot measure success in our program with just data points. We know that data is important, but what we do day to day and one success story at the time, that's what gives me hope. Yeah. That's what keeps me going. Sure. Yeah. So, Pat, do you have any kind of closing thoughts, maybe some stuff we didn't get to the kind of wrap us up towards the end here? Well, I'll just, uh, you know, close by saying it's been a real pleasure to work with uh, Selena and and her group and and the other cohort members, um, you know, to to that question about what gives you hope um, or what what fuels you. you know, as an organization, we work at kind of a higher level um, with data and uh, engaging 
organizations, uh, you know, on lots of issues across the state. But um, we're not in the trenches like Selena and her group. So it's a it's a real pleasure to be able um, through our cohort program to 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 walk with them at least for a while um, and to and to help them. Uh, or do our best to help them do their work. So um, it's it's just so gratifying to to hear that that when we've had an impact um, on an organization like Community Supporting Schools of Wayne County, um, that's what keeps me going. And uh, I'm so I'm very grateful that that Selena and folks like her are are interested and willing and um, uh, to be participants in in the work that we do. Yeah. So Selena, as we close it out. Uh, if we want to learn more about community supporting schools of Wayne County, how do we do that? We have an amazing website, waynecss.org, W-A-Y-N-E-C-S-S.org. And you can sign up for our monthly newsletters at our um, at a tab on that website. We do have a monthly newsletter with all kinds of updates, and we have a Facebook page. Um, we're currently sending out shouts today for our Stuff the Bus campaign, which is next week. That's another um, really heartfelt passion of ours because we feel there again, every child should have the necessary tools to go to school. Exactly. Exactly. So, And the other thing that we have going on is we are starting a new program this year called Arts Secute which is a cultural arts program for at-risk youth. And we will be rolling out more information about that in the next coming weeks. Boy, staying busy there. So yes. Yes. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Don't, you don't take summer off. No, we have not. <laughs> no, 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 I'm sure. <laughs> so, well, I would like to take this opportunity to thank our guest, Selena Bennett, the executive director of community supporting school of Wayne County and Pat Cronin, my coworker of the Institute for Emerging Issues as our assistant director. I want to thank you so much for being here today. I'm James Herrick with the Institute for Emerging Issues. And for more information on today's topic, and as always, please just visit emergingissues.org. Until next time, let's all stay connected. This has been a presentation from the Institute for Emerging Issues at North Carolina State University. To learn more, please visit us at emergingissues.org.